In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bogleman. I'm Mark Farble. This is the Lantern Cast. Episode 377. That's right. I was going to say we're inching ever closer to 400, but I mean, I'm still 20 plus off. Never mind. We're, we're limping towards 400. <laughs> All right, what are we talking about tonight? Lots of stuff, potentially, but we're, I think we're going to be the, – the main focal point, we'll, we're going to talk about Joker. That's the uh, – I think that's the – main topic of the evening for sure uh then we'll go into some nycc uh recap stuff just obviously not everything but the stuff we're interested in uh and uh just talk a bit about all that so uh joker uh i saw it saturday morning around 11 when did you see it thursday last thursday opening night opening night what was the vibe like opening night it wasn't that busy so our theater, really? yeah, our, our the seven o'clock wasn't that. I think it was a seven. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't that busy. Huh. Well, I, I'm just curious, given especially like uh, I'm, maybe we can get into it right now. Just uh, you know the popularity and the and the box office uh, results of this film so far already. Yes, I mean, I'm, I've, by luck of the, by luck of the draw, I was just going to Rotten Tomatoes because I also wanted to see the. Uh, because I'm fi- I'm finding I'm finding it humorous also just to see the, the nice contrast between the critics and the and the audience score in direct relation to Joker and Batwoman. That, that's what I love. We can talk about that later too. It's it's, it's kind of comical. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it, it's interesting, and we'll, and we'll talk about potentially part of the reason why it's it's this way but for it while joker is certified fresh on rotten tomatoes it does not have a great score at the moment it's 69 percent but the audience score is 90 percent so that so that so the so the audience seems to be the consensus of the audience is pretty straightforward as opposed to the critics where they they can kind of have they kind of waffle back and forth but i mean box office there's there's no doubt that it was very very successful Made over ninety-six million dollars on opening weekend. Uh, made over one hundred and five as we speak, so that pretty much just includes Monday's box office domestically. So that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, I mean, I didn't think it was going to do over a hundred, but it surprised me that it got that it got close. You know, it did it did get close, and it's made almost two hundred and sixty million dollars worldwide so far. So it's it's doing quite well. Yeah, for a movie that none of us cared about, and we're actively going, what, what, why, uh, when they announced this, it's uh, it's 
it's doing gangbusters. Yes, I would say for a for a, a movie that, like you said, for them for the most part, that not only did a lot most people just not have any desire to the mere concept of the movie was turning people off, and the idea that oh it was going to be a Joker movie, but somehow it was, but it wasn't really related to you know the the DC extended universe. No, as we will discuss, it obviously is it it did not it did not attempt to go full bore. Let's like remove every aspect of what you think about the joke when you think about the Joker and when the world that he lives in. Let's not remove everything that ties it to the Batverse. It certainly didn't. It certainly did not do that at all. But yeah, a movie that nobody cared about and conceptually people had serious doubts about. Just to to be where they are now with the, with the amount of money that this movie has made, plus the fact that this is pretty much the only movie people have been talking about for like the, close to the last month now. So it's 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 so they certainly have succeeded on on multiple levels for for uh, being the being the movie of the moment and probably the and arguably probably the movie of the fall you would assume. Yeah, um, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I I gotta say I went in I went into the film, uh, and you know my. My my sister could attest to this. Uh, there were several, several times she caught me out of the corner of her eye, like leaning forward and being like, hmm, and, uh, you know, kind of like just sort of tilting my head and things like that, because I was I was really like analyzing the crap out of this film uh, when I was watching it. I was trying not to let myself get caught up in continuity, uh, trying not to let myself get caught up uh, too much in the art behind the film. And just trying to accept it for what it was, uh, and I think I, I think I did a good job of that because by the end I really felt, you know, okay, this is in Elseworlds, this is in Elseworlds, this is in Elseworlds, or this is more more accurately a multiverse. This is this is one of the stories of how the Joker was born in one of the multiverses, because I think it's I think it's easy to get caught up in the idea. Uh, that, you know, uh, like Joker says in, in, in the famous killing joke, uh, he likes his origin to be multiple choice. Um, and I think it's easy to get caught up in that and be like, oh, they're getting, giving a definitive origin to the Joker. And, and they are and they aren't. It's like, uh, this, this, this movie I think does a, uh, a relatively good job of like, it's showcasing the life of the Joker, but also, from the perspective sort of of the Joker, like you're, it's not necessarily his perspective so much as you're within his mind and everything that you're seeing, you don't know if it's real or not, if it's really happening, if you know, and, and you're, you're sort of left wondering, there are certain things that are all like very clearly, um, you know, uh, made up in his head or whatever. And there are other things like, uh, like the woman he's with or whatever, where you're, where it's a little bit more subtle and even things beyond that are even subtler than that. So you're just, you're kind of left wondering, okay, what was real? What was that? What really happened? What didn't? Um, and you know, even at the very end, he just says it, it was a joke. You wouldn't get it. And it's just like, well, okay, so what's what? Um, so I thought that was cool. Uh, obviously spoilers are bound, uh, but at the same time, I, you know, the, it's very, I, I'm, I'm of the, I'm of the mindset when it comes to Batman, and I've said this before, um, but just to reiterate, I'm of the mindset when it comes to Batman that 
the the Wayne the, the death of the Waynes cannot be some grand plan. It cannot be some sort of a, you know a, a, a hit taken out of on the Waynes. It can't be Joe Chill who then becomes the Joker. Uh, like there, there can't be this sense of destiny behind the death of the Waynes because in my mind Batman. His parents were killed by a random act of violence on a random night. It could have been anybody walking that down that alley. It just so happened to be the Waynes that night. Um, and and to me, that's that's how, from my perspective, that's how Batman works. So to make him part Joker, not directly, but sort of indirectly tied into the death of the Waynes, and obviously the stuff they do with Thomas Wayne, and is he Joker's father, isn't he, so on and so forth. Uh, that that was a bit of it that sort of bugged me, but at the same time, by the by that point in the movie, I'm just like, okay, this is a multiverse story. This is a multiverse story. This is a multiverse story. So I thought I thought it was shot beautifully. I'm not I'm I've said over and over time and time again that I'm not a cinematic person. I, I when it comes to film filmography and breaking this stuff down or whatever, I'm I'm in no way shape or form equipped with the lingo to understand that. But like. I thought it was a beautiful looking film and I thought I, I just I don't know man I really enjoyed it. Coming into that to this movie I I had no expectations whatsoever. I probably was leaning towards exp- but if I had to bet I was going to say I I definitely wasn't going in with any enthusiasm for this movie. So I I so of course as we all know in life if like but like pretty much everything in life, if you go in with really low expectations, it's much easier to be satisfied and be pleasantly surprised. But I ex- I went in expecting to be impressed by the performance, but not really expecting to care much about, about the movie or like the movie. I like the movie more than I thought I was going to. It's it's depressing as hell. It's not a fun movie to watch. It's, it's maybe, you know... It's realistic. It's, I think I think they do a good job doing the you know. We we talk about the whole here's our, our Green Lantern tie in. We talk about Jessica, Jessica Cruz and dealing with you know anxiety and PTSD and different things like that and trying to do it in a realistic way. I think they do certainly they do justice to the idea to you know, to mental to mental illness and ha- and some ha- handicaps that way, which the Joker clearly has. And we as the movie goes on, we clearly. It clearly is directly implied why he, ha- you know, why he physically has some of the issues that he has uh, psychologically. Uh, but I, I thought so. So it's it's a movie other than mining for details that maybe you lost the first time or you didn't pick up on the first time, and and maybe looking for some again, like you mentioned, some clarification a little bit or hints to try to determine a little more concretely what as much as we can what actually happened. And what didn't happen, what was in his head, and what actually ha- transpired in the real world. Other than that, this is not a movie I can picture myself watching over and over and over again. I think it's pretty. I could see myself watching it one more time. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think this would be a movie that I certainly would would own. I don't see any need to own own this movie. Uh, it is a. Uh, I di- I actually. On one level, the realism of make some people pointed out how you know Gotham felt real, but Gotham felt real because it just basically ne- it kind of never looked more than more like New York than it did in this movie. 
Yeah. And you knew this movie was basically set kind of in the past, just from from the Warner Brothers logo, because they used the old school, like in the in the 70s or whatever, Warner Brothers logo. And that and this movie depicts Gotham kind of what as what New York City was in the in pretty much the late 19s, the mid to late 1970s when it, when things were really really bad in New, in New York City. So that's that's so on one level you get you do have a realistic portrayal of Gotham, but it but it isn't any but it isn't any kind of a unique portrayal of Gotham. Which to be I mean a a comic book version of Gotham. Which to be fair to a large extent we didn't really get in the Nolan movies either. That was pretty well that was mo- mostly grounded as well as opposed to the Tim Burton obviously Gotham, which was you know very comic book ish on multiple levels. So I did. I kind of like. I kind of like that. I. It was an interesting take to make Thomas Wayne be more of a dick than than a nice guy because we always we are so we are so used to the nice version of Thomas Wayne, the guy that inspired Bruce Wayne and and seem and seemingly every, you know Gotham you know Gotham loved loved this guy, and you and they kind of and they kind of t- t- turned it on its head by having him be kind of a arrogant jerk. And not, and and yes, we know some of the some of the reasons why he reacted to you know to uh, Arthur the way he did was justified based on what Arthur did. You know he was defend you know he was protect, trying to protect his family and things like that. But his overall attitude that, that they give him in this movie was a much different was a much different attitude than that we that we usually see tied to Thomas Wayne. So that was. That was that was interesting. I don't know if I don't know if that worked overly well for me. It was intriguing when they teased the idea that Thomas Wayne was his father, and then they and they kind of like wiped that out and say no, he wasn't. But then they kind of give you a hint that maybe Thomas Wayne and his mother were kind of maybe there was a, still a little bit more tied to them than Thomas Wayne said. Maybe not as much as his mother said. But there's a possibility that there was something that they had. They certainly had more of a close bond than maybe Thomas Wayne was trying to portray. But I, the fact that the Joker ends, you know, basically ends up where he is because of his mother on multiple levels—that his mother's mental illness and his mother allowing him to be physically abused—basically screwed him up the way. That was an interesting take. I like the fact that they did try to make Arthur. Essentially, for the majority of the movie, he, he was somebody who tried to do the right thing for the most part, or he wanted he wanted to. Be, he was a nice guy for the most part, but then he got pushed to the point where he had nothing left to lose, and he got to the breaking point. And so, so when, which kind of made the moments when he snapped in the movie, in like the last like quarter of the movie, or maybe third of the movie, it made it more uh, kind of made it more striking because because the way he turned like that, it when it, when he did turn. And I'm not counting on the subway, which obviously was was the literally the turning point of the character, because even what he did in the subway, for the most part, was justified. The initial, like the first, like hunting down the last guy, for no, but I mean this, but what he did in the subway itself, because they were attacking, you know, they were attacking him. The one thing I didn't like with the Bruce, with the and the in, the you have to like any interaction between like Bruce Wayne and, and and the Joker, no matter what that is. Time doing that, I know it potentially ruins, like you said, the idea of that being a, a random act of violence. Which of course, in this movie, Thomas Wayne's death was not entirely a random act of violence. It wasn't planned, but certainly it was a byproduct of the of the whole powder keg that that the Joker kind of unintentionally set off and started the fuse burning down on. I don't think we needed to see. I'm kind of, kind of like 
it's like <laughs> this is like the the Batman version of Abin Sur. We don't really need to. See, I don't think we really need to see his parents die every single time because we know what's going to happen. Right. I, I personally think the movie would. I this is just my opinion. I think the movie would have been better served from a stylish stylistic perspective that if that scene had been shot differently where first of all as soon as they leave the theater really if you know your batman lore you kind of suspect oh this is going to be that moment oh yeah the minute the minute they leave the marquee says something about zorro and you're like oh yeah zorro here the comes. Gay blade zorro the gay yeah. blade, which, which date which dates which i think and oh, what was the other movie um it, it was a double there were two movies on that marquee and i'm trying to remember i'm trying to remember what the other one but i i think it's somewhere around it's somewhere around uh, like I have to go back in. I I always get because George Hamilton was in both. I always get Love at First Bite and Zora the Gay Blade kind of confused when they were released. But I think they were somewhere between seventy nine and eighty two. Both of those movies came out. So I so it kind of dates when the movie was. I mean, when this movie, you know, when the time event time frame of this movie was taking place. Because I'm trying to remember what the other movie on that marquee was, but now I'm forgetting. But as soon as they leave the theater, you kind of suspect what's going to happen. As soon as they go down the alley, you you know what's you know what's happening. So I think all you really need to, needed to see was that you know was that guy with with this clown mask on pulling pulling out his gun, and then if you you know even if you and I don't think you needed to see more. If you needed to see him cut down the alley, that's fine. I I I think it would have been better served just to hear the gunshots, and then and then see Bruce see Bruce Wayne you know, see the even if it's silhouetted, see Bruce Wayne and see his parents down. Uh, I just, I just didn't think we needed to see Thomas Wayne shot again because we know because at that point you knew it was going to happen. But that was just a stylistic choice for me. I think. Well, you got to see the pearls ripped too. So. Yeah, I know, but the but at but again they could have shot that the same. They could have they could have shot that with the pearls already being ripped. I mean, the most important thing was his parents were were killed, and that was that was that was the that was the the Bruce Wayne moment, but. Oh. That was just a stylistic thing. I think. I think considering we we have we have seen that so many times in Batman movies, one way in one way, shape, or form, we've seen that in pretty much every every bat every Batman movie, or certainly every relaunching of a franchise, we, we've we've seen that. And we, we and again, it's like it's like it's like Abin's, even though we've only seen Abin Sir once and in on real film, but it's kind of like seeing Uncle Ben die too. It's like it's like. Especially if you're not doing a pure, if you're doing a pure origin story, then it makes sense to show it. Otherwise, everybody, you know, at this point, it's kind of so much in the mythology that people know it took place. So I just think, and I know it was, and it was a not. It, I I cut him a little bit of slack just because of the fact that this movie was not, you know, this movie is not about, you know, Bruce Wayne. It's not about Thomas Wayne really. But so they, it was it was their nice little homage to just making it clear that this in this in this universe you know this this event still happened and we can and we can believe and even if we never get to see it that eventually there's a there's a Bruce Wayne Batman that rises up in this in this universe whether we, you know whether the Joker's still around or not is another story at that point but so yeah I I know yeah I I, I enjoyed the crap out of it. Um, it I, I I don't know if I uh, I don't know if I agree with those who say you know hey this is uh, this is uh, trying to justify the actions of mentally ill people who take others' lives or stuff like whatever the the, the controversy surrounding this film is um, you know I was talking to my my brother-in-law I was like you know like 
to me, and, and, and I think to a lot of people, I think to the, the Joker is one of those characters in the DCU or in, in just comics in general. He's not a villain you ever empathize with. He's just raw insanity. He's raw insanity, raw evil, um, as opposed to, uh, I don't know, I don't know if Sinestro is necessarily someone you want to throw up, uh, throw off the chain as someone who could maybe empathize with, but he's definitely at least more empathetic than the Joker. Um, more of just a raw, the Joker is just a raw force of evil. And I, and, and, and maybe it's too much of a drastic comparison, but, uh, considering the amount of, uh, people, you know, uh, fictionally that the Joker has killed or attempted to kill, I just, you know, I made the comparison of Hitler, you know, the, the, the famous stories that Hitler wanted to go to, um, art school or failed at art school or whatever. If you were to make a movie and no one ever would, uh, unless, you know, this it's many years from now or whatever no one would ever try to make a an adolf hitler movie trying to present him in an empathetic light but if you were to try and film the life of adolf hitler at the at the young points in his life when he's a struggling art student i'm pretty sure there are going to be scenes in that movie where like oh look at this poor guy struggling here i really empathize with him so I thought that was a, a, a really crazy, weird situation to be in sitting in that theater watching this film is because I – and this is, again, personally, I equate Joker so much to that just raw evil that to sit there and empathize with him in any way, shape, or form, even if it's briefly – was was kind of a trip and i was like i was sitting there in the theater though i don't know if i like this or not do i like empathizing with the freaking joker like at any for for any reason for any length of time (laughs) like do i like this does this does this really sit well in my mind with how i have identified this character my entire life um, so I thought that was a crazy trippy situation to be in. And the other thing, and maybe uh, uh, the last point I specifically want to bring up is just Joaquin Phoenix, because I mean, you can say with the, with, uh, you know, Robert De Niro or, or the woman who plays his mother or whatever, that there's, you know, the supporting cast in this, but I mean, let's just, let's just face facts here. This movie rests squarely on the shoulders of Joaquin Phoenix. And no matter how big of a supporting role the other characters and actors play, it's super insignificant. And, and their total screen time is, you know, akin to Godzilla in the first Godzilla movie in 2014. Uh, but I'm just it rests squarely on the shoulders of Joaquin Phoenix. And I think he friggin kills it. Well, there's no doubt that, you know. There's no doubt that his performance is, is excellent in, in in this movie, and I, from the empathy perspective, I think what you're, I think what what you're really, if anything, what you're supposed to take is you're not you're supposed to understand where he, you have to understand, you're supposed to understand why he gets pushed to the breaking point, and you feel sorry for the life that he had because even though he kind of does before before he kills his mom, he kind of does that, he kind of you know gives that line that was I think in the trailer about a. He used to think his life was a tragedy, but it's but it's a comedy. But it, but it was but it was a tragedy. His whole life that he kind of he literally got dealt a he got dealt a raw hand because of who you know, because who if you believe that you know this version of him being adopted that you know his mother was you know had so many issues herself and she basically didn't protect him the way she should have. So he got physically abused, which which led to that which if anything led to that condition of him you know when he gets anxious you know being able to. You know, basically laughing and not being able to control it. That 
and all the thing and you know just the way he's mis the way he's mistreated and 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 throughout the movie you know and overlooked and everything else that I think you're supposed to empathize and feel sorry for him and have compassion for him but that does not necessarily mean that you you justify his actions as the movie goes on that that I think I just think yeah, his choices are still squarely his own right that you that yeah. you you can understand how he got to the breaking point and and the pressures that he had to deal with and with without without necessarily still condoning saying oh him doing this and him doing that you know is was you know it's like oh yeah you perfect oh yeah anybody would have done that no I don't you don't you don't have you know you don't have to go to the extreme you know believe that a the extremes that he went to, you know, with the Robert De Niro thing, though, fun, though effective and funny, though that kind of was in its own sick way. That the reality is, you don't have to think that that was right to understand, you know, how somebody could get somebody could be in that position where they would they would like he says that he has nothing else, nothing left to lose. That when you're when and that is probably and as other people have pointed out, that's probably the most dangerous that thing that. Really, that anybody can say if they really believe it that that's a danger. That that when somebody says they, they have nothing left to lose and they really believe it, then that is a very depending on what they're trying to do. That's potentially a very dangerous person because that means that they're the internal things that that regulate you from doing from not doing things that you shouldn't do and from doing you know doing things that you shouldn't and vice versa and the whole thing that that little that like more that internal scales of you know morality that, that that's that's gone because you feel like hey it's like i mean what basically what more can li- what more can life take from me that kind of that kind of thing so that i think that's kind of i think the message that you were that you're that they were trying to besides you know portraying mental illness and and in a very in a very interesting i think in a mostly realistic way and there's and even though you knew, I mean, obviously you knew from early on that that you know he was not, you know, he was not viewing or dealing with reality the way at least most people try to. But they still were successful in throwing you curveballs, you know, about like the whole thing with uh, with, with what's her name, Zazie Betts, that the whole relationship that he had with her, which basically was in his head. Mm-hmm. You know that that without that, that the reveal the way they revealed that 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 was all that was all in his head that was that was quite effective after they you know they after they kind of lull you into thinking that's not the case you know when when they were supposedly both at the hospital when his mother had had the stroke and things like that and had, yeah that 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 one was trippy too because like her very first reaction is like well not her very first reaction but like. The knocking on the door and be like, "Hey, were you following me today?" And then right. like laughing and flirting with him, like so you're like, "What sane person would be like, oh, you were following me today? That's so cute." <laughs> like that's a bit of a red flag. Like even I was sitting there in the theater going, "What is wrong with this girl?" <laughs> and then you, it makes sense. <laughs> it's not really her. She's not there. This is all in his head. <laughs> yes, that is. Uh, that is. I think that was pretty pretty effective. I thought that was pre- that was that was pretty nicely pretty nicely done. Um, so it was. It. I think I was a little. I was a little surprised by how. 
by how interested I was in the story. Obviously, some people, you know, some people have criticized the fact that it was. Uh, they would say that it was boring. I don't necessarily know if I, you know, I agree with that, but I know so that that is some of the criticism. That 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 that, it, that because the movie is such a slow boil, that it's uh it could be. it has to be. If, I agree. If, if, I if agree. It was, if it was like a dramatic shift to violent insanity, you would almost you would almost justify his actions because it would have to be like a super severe thing to you know like oh man if I was in that situation I'd lose it too sort of a thing. But this is. This is – it has to be a slow build because it's a series of choices that he makes and he's always making the the, the, the bad choice. So – Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, – I don't – yeah, I don't think that – I don't think that criticism is, is accurate. I just know that there definitely is uh, – I have definitely seen some of that. And, I, and it's just well. At yeah. the end of the day, I think it's again like you, it, it like you said it, it has to be the it has to be the way it is. I mean, there's just no other there's just no other way for it to work really for it to because yeah. it's it's an it's an I mean it, it's an origin story in in a different kind of origin story. You know, it's not like someone getting bitten by something or falling into something or discovering something. It's in a way it's discovering something obviously, but you know what I mean that it's just it's a slow descent into into madness and into a, a complete lack of morality. So it, that ha- for it to be effective it, yeah, it has to you you have to you have to being a, at least a somewhat, even if it's skewed slightly, you still have to be in a somewhat centered place to be able to get to go completely off the rails. So, have to be on the track before you can go off the rails, even if you're barely hanging on the track. Uh, from the from the uh, darkness standpoint, the the you know the mental illness and the portrayal of all that. Um, I, I wanted to read this this uh, Instagram post from Josh Brolin who plays Thanos. By the way, so if anybody can empathize with playing someone with a, a twisted view on the on on the universe and the world, it's probably someone who's played Thanos. Um, but uh, I, I just wanted to read this because while I didn't have a I didn't have the exact same thoughts as him, his his thoughts sort of helped crystallize some of my own. Uh, so I just want I did want to read it. And he says, uh, to appreciate Joker, I believe you have to have either gone through something traumatic in your lifetime, and I believe most of us have, or understand somewhere in your psyche what true compassion is, which usually comes from having gone through something traumatic, unfortunately. An example of dangerous compassion would be to, say, make a film about the fragility of the human psyche and make it so raw, so brutal, so baleic, uh, uh, baleic, Baltic? I don't know. Uh, that by the time you leave the theater, you not only want to hurt anything, uh, d- don't want to hurt anything, but you desperately want an answer and a solution to the violence and mental health issues that have spun out of control around us. This film makes you hurt, and only in pain do we ever want to change. It's all about the irony. It's it's all in the irony of trauma, a fine line between the resentment of wanting to hurt society back for raping you of a decent life for not protecting you and accepting what feels like alien feelings uh, with softening to those uh, to those others who seem freakish in our era of judgment and digital damnation. Like kids in middle school, man, they can just be mean. 
for no reason, and sometimes those awful little clicky kids breed an evil in someone that rages much later. When everyone pretends we are all back to normal, when we uh, all thought it had just manned, uh, it had just manned up and gone away. Uh, we have a, a habit of hating and ostracizing and dividing and sweeping our problems under the rug. And this is the part that really kind of crystallized it in, in, in the purpose or, or the, uh, the intent of the film for me. Joker is simply lifting the rug and looking underneath it. Nothing more, nothing less. It's there. Interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought that was, that was interesting because it's, it's not necessarily putting the positive or the negative spin on it. It's just saying, look there's a dark side to all of this and here it is start of the film end of the film make of it what you will i thought that was kind of a an interesting way of looking at it it is an interest it is a it is an interesting take i think and most i think most people can get what he's saying and they certainly can relate to most of what he's writing there uh for sure not that I think you need. Not that I think the movie certainly. Not that he's trying to do this necessarily. But it's not like the the movie doesn't quote unquote need to be defended. That's just that's just the society that we live in these days. <laughs> Ironically, I mean you have. Oh yeah, someone someone asked the director or writer somebody, um, you know, what was real and what wasn't, and their response was, "I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> like, there's no point to me telling you. Essentially, <laughs> like." <laughs> The, this this movie doesn't need to be dissected in that way, I guess, is what they they were saying, and you know, kind of make of it what you will. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> it was. Uh, we know th- there was obviously a lot of controversy about this movie even before it was released because of different things that had been said. You know, uh, what Todd Phillips said, and also things that. Uh, just a critic's take on it as we know oftentimes it becomes a people like to always blame the art you know blame art for this and art for that and because people aren't aren't responsible for their own actions this movie is going to inspire going back to the stupid i mean it's not not that the shooting itself was stupid but the reaction to the aurora shooting was moronic the way basically we allowed that to change so much of a, i mean we don't have we don't have midnight movies anymore because of that damn shooting that now like like a shooting couldn't happen at ten o'clock at night. Like a shooting couldn't happen at nine o'clock at night at a theater, a real or seven o'clock. I mean, if you want, if somebody again was was really interested in doing something like that, they they could do it. So it's not like it, there's something inherently dangerous about a midnight showing. Uh, but we so on one level we just allowed that. Allow that event and, and tying it to the and again the idea of tying it to the Joker related to this movie, especially even going back to the dark. I mean, because that hap- that happened with the Dark Knight Rises. It was a Dark Knight. It was the shooting at the Dark Knight Rises. So, so really, the Joker, as we know as a character, had nothing to do with that movie. <laughs> anyway, so it's just one of those interesting. I just think that. Where we are in society, it's just, it's not surprising that some people want to say, "Oh, this movie is too dangerous." But you know, that's, which of course that's the whole point of having freedom of expression and freedom of speech. That you ha- that that, and, and if you're the the majority of people who are who view things somewhat at least somewhat realistically know it's just 
It's just a movie. Just like you're watching – just because you watch a Friday the 13th movie, does that mean you're going to be getting a hockey mask the next day and go out and kill people? You know, so the idea that that is – that the movie itself, again, is, is the catalyst. Again, it's, it's, it's putting the blame not on the individual but on you – know, almost like – the Kind of like blaming the weapon again, or this in this case the the uh, or the, or the messenger shooting the messenger or not. Uh, so I don't know. I but then again we live in a we live in a society where Ellen DeGeneres has to apologize for having friends who don't all think like her. <laughs> right? Mm. That's, that's the sad world we live in. It's like, oh my God, how could you possibly sit next to her and be friends with somebody who might not agree with you on every single thing? Because I'm a well-balanced human being, and that's how people have always been unless you want to live in a vacuum and, and have just live with a bunch of people who pat you on the back and make yourself feel better because they always – because you all have one hive mind. Uh, so it's just – besides, I mean you think about it. I mean there was violence in this movie, but it wasn't constant in this movie. It really wasn't. I mean I mean, how, I mean there were – with the Joker himself, how many super? I mean, as far as him doing so, him him being violent. What what do we have? What do we have? Like uh, what the th- like three really three scenes? Was it three scenes really? The the sub the sub the subway uh, when he when he killed the guy who gave him the gun and and the Robert De Niro thing weren't those the three? His, his mom and his mom and his mom yes. Yeah. But that was a, but that, but that may have been a that that was violence, but it wasn't like shocking, like out of the blue violence. It actually was kind of creepier because it was kind of more, kind of kind of was more premeditated, and you kind of and you kind of saw it coming for a few seconds before it actually happened. When almost all those other things, I mean, you obviously knew he was gonna something was gonna happen on the tonight on on the talk show. You knew that was gonna happen, but 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 especially especially when uh. But him, but him killing a guy in his apartment, and that came. That was out of the blue. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, NYCC then, or do we have anything else about the Joker? I know we we talked a bit about box office and and reaction at the beginning of it. Was there anything more you wanted to elaborate on that? No. It it, it will just it will be interesting to see how well it holds up, and like especially because how much repeat business is this movie going to get? Uh. So it, that that will be curious. It'll also be curious long term to see how this affects, if it has any effect on how DC affect and WB do their movies. Well, supposedly they're already looking to doing a Mister Freeze movie. No, um, but are they, are they more comfortable now doing standalone, potentially uh, multiverse? Kind of movies that don't have to tie into anything else, or or is it's so it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously this this could open the door for them to go whichever route they want. But again, much like when we talk about uh, the Dan DeDio stuff, if you go off in too many different directions and, and you're making all these movies, one company is making all these movies, you potentially are going to lead to a whole lot of confusion in people who who do not quite understand. What you're trying, what you're trying to accomplish, and why it, you know, why, why is this not related to that, and things, and yeah, yeah, you, you haven't, you have enough of that with other movies that are, that are, whose timelines and things are relatively straightforward if you just pay attention, but you still have a lot of people that are not detail oriented, 
and don't pay much attention to things. It's like who already get confused. So if you keep doing this and you keep doing that, if you keep you know, if you try to do, oh, we're just gonna kind of like what they were doing with in the uh, well, that was in was that in the new Fifty Two era when. They, was it the new 52 era where they were just doing stories and they didn't care about continuity? Or was, that wasn't Rebirth, was it? Or was it Rebirth? I get it all confused at this point. New 52, and so do they. Yeah. That uh, the idea that, oh, we just want to tell a good story, but we don't really care like where it fits in and where it necessarily takes place. And Well, I think that will confuse m- moviegoers uh, if they do it acro- across the board. But at least we know, they know there's an audience for it if it's done if it's done right and you don't have to... You don't have to present things in a straightforward way and go along the, the normal beats, and it can still work. But as many people pointed out, this doesn't really, this doesn't really feel like it's a comic book movie. So this is, it's a comic book movie in name only, but it's not really a comic book movie. So I don't necessarily know if they could do that across all with every character or every take. They could feel confident they're going to do that. It would, it would work. Just like the whole idea, oh, the Deadpool was R-rated and it worked, so let's make every movie, you know, all these movies R-rated and every, you know, make everything dark and make everything R-rated, and we know it'll it'll be a success. Well, no, it depends on the movie and the character, and so. Other than that, no, I I was yeah, I was I was pretty, I was pleasantly surprised by that movie, and I think the I think the fact that the I think the fact that the you know the you know the critics are really they really jumped off ship on that which again is not it's also it's it's that's one of those interesting things as we see quite often that the initial reviews oh my god this movie's great and then as soon as the bulk reviews come out it it kind of like drops like a rock and the fact that it's at 69% probably not going to get that much lower you would assume since it has 436 critics already rated the movie that's a lot but the fact that you know ninety thousand people have given it, and that mean that ninety percent, over twenty five thousand people, have rated the movie uh, from the audience perspective and given it a ninety. That's that's pretty that's pretty important, I'm sure. And on this, when it comes to this movie, I'm sure WB is much happier with that split than the other way around. No. All right, so New York Comic Con. Uh, do you uh, where do you want to start? Just knock all the Green Lantern stuff out of the way. You want to take the uh, the lead in you had while mentioning Dan DeDio and talk about that first. What do you want to do? I'm pretty easy. So, but whatever whatever subject you feel you you want to do you want to talk about the DeDio stuff. Uh, oh, you want to hold yeah. off on that when you want to do? Yeah, I want to. I want to hold off uh, for 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 the for now. You're the you're the toy guy. You want to talk about this uh, Tweeterhead stuff in XM Studios? I reckon we can talk about this. So obviously there were, there they they were there wasn't that much Green Lantern news, I guess, which isn't surprising to anybody at this stage from New York Comic Con. But I guess there's a, you know, there were the, there were some updates on um, two different st- Green Lantern statues. That are coming out, and there's the, the, what the, the Tweeterhead website they, they give some updates to the this basically the Hal Jordan with the Gat with the Gatling gun, which mm-hmm. is not which is neat. I don't know if it's my favorite Hal Jordan sculpt of all time, uh, but it's not bad. Uh, I guess it's 17 by 25 by 20. It's currently available for for pre-order, and but the statue will will run you about two two seventy five two seventy four ninety nine. 
and I guess you have, you can put you have to put down a hundred dollar deposit to reserve it. It's the Gatling gun is pretty cool, though of course it kind of reminds you of the movie. If if the resin, the green resin, looks as clear as it does in these photos, then I'd be all over it. But if it's if it's in any way cloudy or anything like that, I don't know if I'd be as as into it. Yeah, that's it's tough. Um, I've been pretty, as I think we've talked about before. I've been I've been pretty selective on a lot of a lot of Green Lantern merchandise, a lot in quotes because we know we're not getting much. But the stuff we are getting, most of it I haven't really thought much of, so I've been pretty selective on not getting it. Uh, it's got to be re- it's got to be really impressive for me to for me to get it. And so far, and I would say even if the price point were a little lower on this, I don't think I would get it. It's nice. I do kind of like the way like uh, what the what the am- the ammo, the clip looks like it's all in all Green Lantern symbols. That, yeah, that, Green Lantern magazines. Yeah, that, yeah I, that that I like. That I like. Uh, I thought I think that's a that's a really nice touch. I think that's a big that's a big selling point. Uh, if I was trying to convince me anyway, I don't. Again, it, it it won't. But I think it's. But I think it's it's not it's it's it looks like a nice piece. But I would agree. This is something you kind of would like to see in person. Probably before buying, like a lot, a lot of these expensive pieces. Unless you really, unless you fall in love, you know, with the sculpt, like I, like the Hal versus Parallax statue. That was just such a cool sculpt, and the concept of it was pretty neat. With Parallax coming out of the central power battery and his tentacles wrapped around Hal, and and plus the way they, and just the way they actually held, held Hal together, which I don't think we necessarily knew at the time that it was being, it was magnets holding the two parts of Hal together, because you basically needed to split them up so you could put them inside the tendril, and, and and then his body came together because of the magnet. That was an, that was, and that might have been actually the last Green Lantern statue I got, which tells you that tells you something. I got in the power batteries, obviously, but getting statues, I've been very very selective. So this, I don't think this is going to make me change my mind. And clearly the next one isn't going to make me change my mind either. <laughs> because it sells for 719 Who comes up with that price? <laughs> right? I was, like, I was like, why not $17.13 and 41 cents? Why, why not make it any more random than 719 But that's the XM Studios uh, you know, Green Lantern statue. And it has a, uh, it's it's similar. It's not really a Gatling gun, but it but it's basically, it's how, what was it? How would you describe it? How just basically almost like a like a a gun kind of thing being wrapped around Hal almost. Hal's in the uh, middle. Hal in the <laughs> middle creating a green a, like a like a, a a gun a huge gun construct around himself. Picture picture it this way, guys. Um, think of Hal Jordan with construct Doc Ock. Uh, tentacles coming out of his back, but they're more mech-like as opposed to just just straight tentacles, and they're all brandishing various guns that are firing off construct rockets. That's what it is. I like and and with this statue, I do I do like overall the sculpt of Hal in this in this one. I like the look on his face. I also like the texture that the costume seems to have. The big the problem with this one for me is the color of his of his green. His green certainly looks so dull, 
at least in the mock-up of this, that it's... I know maybe part of the reason why they're doing it is to contrast it with the the construct behind him. But even the construct, I, I, I don't necessarily like the way the plastic or the... Well, you know what I mean? The, the, the way... The construct itself, I don't like the way the way it looks. It looks very plasticky. It looks very blocky to me. I'm trying to think of the right way to des- right way to describe it, but to me, yeah, we're getting these images from uh, Blogavola guys. Uh, so Myron wrote up this thing here, and he says, "My uh, from what I heard, they they made the decision due to the translucent translucent look, making the details hard to see. So it looks like that's the reason behind them going with this color scheme for the construct instead of the more clear resin that we saw on the Tweeterhead statue." So yeah, I think I think for the price point on this, that's kind of ridiculous. I mean. It, in a way, I mean, if you saw both of these statues, if you saw both of these statues, at least the mock-ups of them, if you had to bet which one was more expensive, I probably would have bet that the tweeter head was more expensive. Yeah, but it's hard to gauge the size of this one here. Yes, because they don't—they don't necessarily—they don't really give us the measurements. Of, yeah. Uh, oh, it's—I inter- just noticed the statues underneath too. I didn't notice that. Yeah, you saw those. Yeah, let's see if I, let's see if let's see if the, I, do they open up on their yeah they open no. up a little bit on their own. The, a little bit. Unfortunately, the Sinestro one is somewhat intriguing. But, oh, I want it so bad. But that's because that's not just that's Parallax Sinestro. Right, and and I'm assuming it's supposed to be the entity. Yeah. But there's something about all of it that lo- that looks a little off. Parallax looks more like a. Dr- Looks a little more like kind of like a dra- a dragon and a cat mixed together, and I'm not and you're not. And I know it's more accurate with the way uh, Sinestro's chest symbol was when he was parallax, but they do have the they do have the uh, white skunk patch in his hair, which might make it a, which might make it in, intriguing. Um, the just- I'm just I'm just I'm just imagining that parallax. Being as like yellow translucent egg because it's uh, the problem. The problem though is this is this is by XM, which is the same company that's doing this house statue that we were just talking about. So it's probably more likely it's going to be a yellow resin. But if it's more clear or translucent in some way, that might kind of set it off. And just the kind of the color schemes looking against each other, I think that's going to go. That's going to look real cool. And the Jessica Cruz statue could be could be interesting. I don't I don't I don't think looking at this the face sculpt of Jessica Cruz doesn't draw me in. But yeah, that, that, that if if these are the same price point as Hal, though, guys, you're not going to get any money from any of us. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know if anybody from XM Studios is listening or anybody affiliated with them. But but tell them they either got to make these things smaller or, or cheaper or something because uh, yeah, this the. I would, even if I had the money, I don't know if I would consider dropping it on this. This is it's it's not worth that much, no matter how much money I actually have in my account. But of the three of them, Sinestro would be the winner. Oh yeah, for sure. Yes, Sinestro. Yeah, if I were to save up money, like if you made it half the price, I'd consider saving up money to buy it for sure. And that's just based on the concept of the Sinestro one alone. I, I can't imagine what it's going to look like in real life. 
The only thing we the only thing we could maybe hope for is like some of these things show up on like DCBS when they get solicited or something. Mm-hmm. And then maybe and then and then we can and then depending on the discount that they that they offer then then it might be worth it. But the para, but the Sinestro yeah the Sinestro Parallax one which certainly that's the only one of these that would cry out to me just because of the uniqueness number one. I mean we've never really gotten anything of Sinestro as Parallax. We don't have a figure. You know we don't we don't have anything. Yeah. So and that would be that would be kind of that would definitely be a more of a worthy piece in the collection, no matter how you slice it. Than either the Hal one or the and the Jessica one could be good, but based on this, you know, the mock-up, it you know, it doesn't look that it it wouldn't draw me in. I can only imagine how much the 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 one with the fight between Darkseid and the rest of the league is because if the Hal one is nearly eighty eight hundred dollars. If they put JLA versus Darkseid as price TBD. <laughs> it's got to be like a two grand statue or something well, like that. Well, actually, let's see. Well, you're right. You're TBD, but don't forget it. It may it may very well be. It may be a statue in multiple parts. If you no look. way, no way. I mean, it, it, I can see what you mean, but first of all, Superman's a part of his arm, and Wonder Woman's lasso is a part of the other side. And Wonder Woman's section is connected to Batman, so I, I, I get what you're saying, especially if you look at just Green Lantern section here. But I think it's all one big thing. It could be. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, I'm just saying it's it's possible that there are multiple parts here that, that connect. Um, so, but we'll see. If yeah, you can. The, the price point on this would be at least two grand. Yeah, it, it, it would have it, to. Be. It would. It would it would have to be so. I guess at this point we'll just have to keep our eyes peeled for uh, to see if the you know, if the parallax uh, if the Sinestro parallax statue gets gets solicited on. Uh, well, I guess we'll know if any of these really get solicited on D, on uh, either in the uh, <clears throat> in previews and and then of course if it gets solicited in previews it'll show up on DCBS and yeah. then at least we'll have an idea of to get an idea. We'll have an idea of what the uh, what the discount would be on those then. Um, so I'm just going to read a couple of things here. Uh, I didn't link you to the article just because it was one of those uh, Newsarama things where they're like live tweeting the thing and you have to scroll through the feed to find what you're looking for. Um, this was a DC Nation panel during um, um, uh, during uh, New York Comic Con, uh, and the woman who is uh, doing Far Sector was a part of the panel. Uh, and every now and then they'd turn to her and ask a question. I just copied all the relevant parts from that. So these are, keep in mind, these are all just blurbs. So I'm just going to read them all off. Uh, and this is, again, this is news from Newsarama reporting live, like a live uh, stream uh, of comments about what's happening during the panel. Uh, Dan wants to know what Nora thinks she's going to bring to Far Sector. And the quote is, Hopefully they won't descend into all into all consuming war Nora jokes. Not like I've ever written that before. Uh, back to Far Sector. Nora shares how she wanted to work on a Green Lantern story where the wielder couldn't necessarily wrap their head around solving problems with the ring. Quote: She uses willpower to solve problems. Uh, regarding the challenges of Far Sector, Nora acknowledges how she wanted to write something where our lead is isolated from the rest of the Lanterns. Quote, she's on her own. She can go back to that continuity if she needs to, though. 
Last question of the day uh, comes from someone in the audience who says, is there a specific character you would consider as outside your comfort zone? And this is being asked to the whole panel. Nora's response says, uh, quote, I would take pretty much any character as a challenge accepted. Then she sh- goes on to share how she loves diving into background research. I particularly included that one is because if she was making a huge point of how much she likes diving in with background research, maybe there's some more uh, background research that we should take into consideration when reading for our sector. Uh, but those are just uh, the only uh, Nora-related comments uh, concerning Far Sector from that DC Nation panel that were mentioned. I don't know if there's anything you want to imp- unpack there, but uh, there was also, guys, and if you f- go to our Twitter, uh, I just, right before Mark and I started recording, I retweeted this uh, on our account. Uh, so this is, I mean, obviously th- this episode comes out on, on Friday, but uh, if you go to our uh, Twitter account, uh, which is at LanternCast, you guys are going to see a retweet uh, um, from um, at Ace Comic Con, uh, or rather, I'm sorry, that's that's not right. That's uh, at the the Blurred Girl, V B L E R D G U R L, and this is again on October 8th. It's a retweet that I posted. Um, she, uh, she's the one who did the interviews, uh, for sci-fi. Um, and she did interview, uh, Nora, uh, the writer of, uh, um, the far sector, uh, for sci-fi. And that particular tweet has a link to the YouTube video of, uh, that, that sci-fi posted. And that video is like seven hours long. So you have to specifically click the link in the tweet so that you can get specifically directed to the portion of the video that contains that interview. Um, I didn't have enough time to watch it all. It's something I found last minute. So otherwise I'd, I'd mention some of the highlights that she mentioned in that interview directly. Um, but I would assume that, you know, it's, it's an interview with sci-fi and DC likes to sometimes uh, release exclusive information through uh, portals specifically like sci-fi. So if you guys are interested in Far Sector before it comes out, um, I would definitely recommend watching that uh, that sci-fi interview. Anything about uh, those comments from the DC Nation panel that uh, jumped out to you? Nothing in particular about those comments. I mean, I know Jim showed me an article. Actually, it was yeah, Jim showed me an article. I think related something regarding the uh, whole Far Sector thing, and it just. Yeah, I'm. Call- I'm. I have serious doubts about about what about Far Sector, about whether it's going to be enjoyable, whether it's going to be a little way, 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 way too uh, social SJW, uh, whether it's going to be really beaten to death, and that's going to be there. Um, you know what I mean? Based on no, I'm with you. I'm with based you. on based on what we know about this and and her lack complete lack of background and anything Green Lan- and knowing anything about Green Lantern, that it's and I think we've talked about this. It does it does it makes me it makes me nervous. Wouldn't you know? Because Lord knows it's not like it'd be surprising if that's exactly what we got. Uh, so we'll we'll give it a shot and when we're so, I mean I'm going to read it we're certainly we'll talk about it on on, on the show we'll, as we've said before it's yet to be determined whether we're going to do this issue by issue or do it by arc or but we'll but it's easy to add something into the mix since there isn't a whole lot of regular green lantern stuff to do 
but I do have doubts about this, and I certainly would rather. I, give me the good old days. I certainly would rather be reading a friggin' Guy Gardner book than reading, or a Kyle book than would be reading about you know uh, yet another, yet another you know Green Lantern who doesn't. I don't know. I guess it's better. I guess it's better than her like hacking into a Green Lantern ring and getting her powers. I suppose, but <laughs> no. Well, I mean. This may be the first book in a while that you and I may have different opinions on. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and the only reason I say this is it, it, it could be very well that you it, you it, it comes out, you read it, and you you love it, and I hate it. I don't know, but uh, or both love it or both of it. I don't know, but I've been particularly enjoying the new Lois Lane series, and if anything says SJW, I think that maybe that new Lois Lane series might. I mean, I've been really enjoying it. Uh, I've been reading a lot more indie titles lately too. Um, uh, Once in Future from uh, Image and uh, you know Gunning for Hits and uh, Killer Groove and Dark Arc with from Charles Soljus uh, Soljus came out. Uh, which the, remember I was we were talking about that at one point uh, during the solicits. That's the one with the uh, What if there were two Noah's arcs? One for all the dark yes, magical. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, the, that first Dark Arc uh, issue just came out. Uh, I think last Wednesday or something like that. Um, and I've just been reading, I've just been reading a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, that sort of stuff. Um, uh, all the, the humanoid stuff with ignited and Omni and strange lands and, and, and things like that. So I'm just, uh, one book I'm really loving the hell out of is a book called space bandits. Uh, uh, so if you guys are, I think it's Mark Millar. If you guys aren't reading Space Bandits, it's freaking uh, incredible and and and, and not to miss. Uh, we've already got other stuff to discuss, so I'm not going to go into the plot of that. But if I already recommend any of those, uh, Once in Future and and um, and uh, Space Bandits, you, you got to get them. Um, but anyways, uh, I just think with with all the indie stuff I'm reading, the fact that I'm really enjoying Lois Lane. I have seen some of the interior pages from Far Sector based on various articles. The art looks fine to me. Uh, it looks it looks enjoyable. It looks uh, kind of up my alley in terms of my personal preferences style wise. Uh, so I mean, I'm just uh, I, I'm more looking forward to it than anything. So I think uh, it might be interesting. Maybe maybe this will be something that uh, we drastically disagree on. So I think that I'm looking forward to the controversy, man. <laughs> Up yours, Chad. No, <laughs> Chad, you ignorant slut. That's what I should have just said. I missed my moment, but no. Well, well, we will, we will see. Um. All right. So, should we do the free guy video or the DC Comics Dandadio thing next? We want to do. Let's, let's do the Dandadio thing. All right. So this is coming from Sci-Fi Wire. This was mentioned. Also, in that uh, DC Nation Newsarama rundown, I read those Far Sector comments from, but um, uh, it wasn't mentioned as quite in detail as this article goes into. This is an article headlined, NYCC Dandadio Reveals New Definitive DC Universe Timeline. Again, this is from Sci-Fi Wire, uh, so if you are looking for... Uh, this article to follow along because I'm not gonna I'm gonna read definitely big portions of this but I'm not gonna read the whole thing. Uh, if you'd like to read up, it's in like I said, NYCC Dandy Deal reveals new definitive DC Universe timeline. Look up that article on SciFi.com. <clears throat> Quoting Dandy Deal, the whole idea here right now is from our standpoint, we're trying to organize a sense of when the DC stories took place and how they all fit together. 
uh, end quote. Uh, DiDio stressed the need for the timeline as an internal document uh, as much as for something for fans to pour over, noting that DC – and this is this is one key thing we'll, we'll, we'll want to talk about here when we come back to this and I'm done reading – Noting that DC's ambitious 2011 New, 50 re- New 52 reboot fell short in spots where his team, quote, didn't spend enough time to figure out what works in continuity, unquote. <clears throat> so fans caught a glimpse of the DC timeline at the panel, but so far the publisher has not released a proper image of the document. What's clear though, is that there are now four definitive quote unquote generations for DC beginning with wonder woman's arrival in man's world before world war two generation one also included the justice society of America, the all-star squadron and the freedom fighters. Generation 2 began with Superman and featured the Justice League and Doom Patrol before giving way to Gen 3 with Crisis on Infinite Earths. Flashpoint marked the start of Generation 4, the current era, and extending into the future of the just-reintroduced Legion of Superheroes. Jim Lee's quote is, There's a lot of interesting implications this timeline sets up. If this character came back... uh, I'm sorry. If this character came around back then, then what does that mean? Um, see, I'm just trying to make sure I'm not reading the full thing here. Um, DiDio did not say when or in what format the DC timeline would be published, but it will likely come after the December 2019 conclusion of Doomsday Clock, the 12th uh, issue miniseries by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank that has explored how Watchmen's Dr. Manhattan meddled with reality to create the post-Flashpoint universe. That series itself, though, has experienced several delays and as a result has already uh, struggled against story elements introduced by ongoing titles. DiDio's quote... Uh, uh, of the news timelines continuity. What you see right now is a story that will be consistent. And then the uh, article ends uh, saying nobody said it would be easy getting Superman's life in order. (laughs) Um, So that is, uh, that is, uh, I think the most comprehensive article concerning this new quote unquote definitive DC universe timeline. Uh, There has been no official image uh, released, but evidently there is a document within DC uh, that is uh, definitively laying out a timeline, and this is all we know so far. Thoughts? <coughs> Pardon me. <laughs> Those are my thoughts. Uh, talk about preaching to the choir. This is crap that we talked about years and years and years ago when they when they when they kind of half-assed using Flashpoint as a as, an, as a reason to ju- jumpstart a new universe. And redo their timeline into you know to start the new 52 when it became clear from because of and they were oh, at least they were open about it in the big well they kind of were they were open in the fact that they they went back and forth about not being clear about what the hell had ha- what the hell stuff carried over from Flashpoint into the new 52 as in far, as far as what events still happened and what events now didn't happen so they never had gotten that straight they never had a definitive game plan for. For even dealing with the major events, and not just DC, but with each character, uh, which would have been, you know, the first step you would think is to figure out what, the, these are the major events or major arcs that these characters have dealt with. These are the major story, you know, story arcs or events in DC. And did this happen? Yes. Did this happen? No. 
blah blah. blah just so we know, and you you, and eventually you can deal with it and come come up with an explanation if need be, or you just purposely avoid anything that ties into those set events. But we know they didn't do that, and the fact that they because all they seemed to care about was which conceptually sounds good, telling good stories. We don't really care where they fit in in the timeline and in what Earth and blah 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 blah. Which part of you know we got we kind of got part of that you know even even with convergence the idea that when they, when convergence was just supposed to make it clear that basically all, all these timelines had still existed they weren't completely wiped out and so but it didn't mean that that every character that used to that every character existed now in the same time frame some of these characters existed in the past some of these some of these characters existed on this earth but now this earth has evolved into where they are now. It's been a mess. DC's continuity has been a mess for a while, which is sad because DC still has been overall better, at least from a storytelling perspective, I think, for the most part, than Marvel, comic book-wise. But they've allowed their continuity to get messy, real messy. We heard for a long time that you know the Doomsday Clock was supposed to straighten, was supposed to clear up some of the problems that the New 52 flashpoint into the New 52 created. That was supposed to... So the whole DC rebirth era, along with this event, which of course is tied directly to this event, because Doc, you know Doctor Manhattan really was, as far as we know, was tied into the events of DC rebirth. You know the one shot. The reality is now Doomsday Clock being was supposed to be a, a catalyst for straightening some of this stuff out. That was that was what the belief always was. Now of course. Uh, they were a little. They were a little too uh, easygoing, saying suffered, suffered. <laughs> suffered what? What was that quote? Suffered a few delays or several delays. This this goddamn thing is coming. At, this thing, if it ends in December, which there's a reasonable expectation to say, it probably won't. But let's say it actually does end in December. So it's going to take over two years to ten, to tell a 12 issue story, which was supposed to be monthly originally. <laughs> it was supposed to be a monthly book. So that has absolutely can made things worse and in, in, in there any effort to try to streamline continuity and put things together because you've literally because you've literally had a year's worth of stories that have had to have been told by people because they knew this event was not going to end in time in case if, if it were was going to have ramifications well you can it's going to be a year before it has any ramifications so you'd keep telling your stories Dan, I, yeah. I like Dan. I mean, compared to a lot of people, uh, you know, Dan DiDio seems likable. He does, uh, other than hating Wally West so much, <laughs> <laughs> which is a joke unto itself since Wally West was supposed to be so important in the, bringing, in, in the beginning of DC Rebirth, and then they did what they did in Heroes in Crisis, and let's see what happens at the end of Flash Forward. And inexplicably having a, and a, some sort of odd obsession with the metal men. Yeah, that is true too. And and the strange desire to you know to bring back the Legion of Superheroes, which we know can take it to the bank. That's not going to last long either because it never does. I w- I've been reading both issues of uh, Legion of Superheroes Millennium, and uh, I, I've, I've enjoyed it so far. Uh, granted, that's just sort of the introduction to the series proper as it uh, before it comes out sort of way, sort of not not exactly because the Marvel's powers of X and House of uh, House of X and powers of 10 or whatever 
are are not just platforms to introduce the new X titles, but books in their own right. But sort of in that vein, the way those books are are going to be serving as the lead in for the new X titles. Uh, this this uh, Legion of Superheroes Millennium, these two issues are sort of like the the introduction before we get the Legion uh, book proper. And I've enjoyed it. Uh, the first one, uh, both of them, really actually involve Rose and Thorn. Uh, but unfortunately not the one year that we as Green Lantern fans, uh, know who is the mother of, uh, Jaden Obsidian. It's the other Rose and Thorn. So we'll, well, yeah, so we'll have to see how that all, that all fits in, that all fits in. But we, we just know DC's been a mess. I like the DO, but, you know, he's kind of allowed this to spiral out of control, just like we've kind of been told. At different times that this is going to make, you know, kind of streamline things, then, oh, continuity doesn't really matter, which never made any damn sense whatsoever. We knew nobody thought that made any sense. So let's see what they do, what the, what what they don't do. And I, I, I just – the whole thing I have about this is it, there's two things, the first one being less important. But they said – where is it here? Let me find it. Didn't spend enough time to figure out what works in continuity. They noted that the DC ambitious uh, New 52 reboot fell short. They finally acknowledged this freaking eight years later. How many times were they telling us over and over and over again, oh, we've got plans, it'll all make sense, and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, all these things. Like, sorry for the <laughs> momentary bad Bernie Sanders impression. Uh, but, but, like, like – I, you're only just now admitting that. Like, I understand as a as a company as a business. I I work in tech support for a, a Fortune 500 company who's developing software and stuff. I I talk with the people using this software all the time. I understand the idea of spin to like take these negatives that people are throwing your way and say, yeah, I you look. I 100% understand where you're coming from. Uh, here's an alternative way that you can use it until it's fixed. In the meantime, uh, here's these other positive things. Take a look at this. We are working on it. It's going to get better and better. As you can see, it's already much better than it was at this point six months ago. Whatever. You know, I understand all of that. So it's not like as a business, DC wants to come out and be like, you know what? You're right, fans. So we clearly don't know what the hell's going. We got to get a better handle on this. That's not a good business decision for anybody for any reason. No matter how irritated you could have been at the time at DC or are still to this day, it makes no sense to do that. At the same time, though, you're admitting now, then something you were super confident in and, and really putting out there that you knew what you were doing and you knew what was going on. I need if if this new endeavor doesn't work out, and you don't have this, and you didn't plan it as well as you say you did, I, I'm, you're done. I'm sorry. I, I've I've said it before. I've talked about my personal history with Dan DiDio and all this stuff. I do believe he's a good guy, but Dan has his head up his ass sometimes, and and it's not beneficial to the community. He is a fan uh, of very specific things, but he also has his own very specific ideas of what fandom is and what people uh, want and expect from the dcu which brings me to my point two which is more important than point one i would like to know definitively in that and obviously it would it would take everybody in the freaking community to participate in something like this which isn't going to happen but i would love there to be an official poll does continuity matter 
to you uh, when buying a comic book or whatever, specifically from the big two. Does continuity matter? And then I'd like you to publish the results of said poll, and then let's make decisions in the pub in the comic book industry based on those facts. Because I I know for a fact there are some people out there who don't give a flying f about continuity and just want good stories. I tend to be in that group, some for the most part. But I'm also really privy to the ideals of the other group who believes. Okay, I'm buying this book and this book and this book and this book from DC, and sometimes this character is in this title and blah, blah, blah. Okay, where did all this fit in? I like this cohesive universe feel. What's the timeline of all this? I, comp- I completely understand both sides of the argument, but there are tons of people out there who are one way or the other when it comes to their comic book consumption. And I'd like to know which one is more prominent so that I can at least make some sense of whether or not DC Comics or Marvel should be focusing this hyper on laying out a specific effing timeline for how all of this in their universe happened or not. Because this is a cycle that's been happening in comics for a long, 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 long time. If you think back, it's the reason we got fucking Crisis on Infinite Earths. Because everybody was like, well, you had this story here where it took place in Superman uh, pres- or, or DC Comics Presents with Superman. And then you have this Brave and the Bold story. And then you have uh, this Earth 2 story and, and, and here and here and here. Like, it, it's not starting to make sense. So they just decided, fuck it, we're going to – we, we created a multiverse. And then, okay, the multiverse got too confusing. Oh, we need Crisis to sort it all out and let's delete some of these other universes. And now there's just one kind of cohesive universe. And now we got to make sense of this timeline. Oh, shit, we fucked it up. It's time to – it's time to do a zero hour to try and make sense of this stuff. Oh shit, we fucked up Hawkman even more. Like, it, they they do this stuff where it's like, oh, continuity matters. Oh, continuity doesn't matter. Let's fix it. Let's not fix it. Who cares? We care. I, let's make a decision. Because I I I am losing my mind with the amount of reboots and shit we're getting. And maybe. I, you know, I, I've only started, you know, my fandom and rabid fandom for the comics industry is only as old as this podcast truly is. So I've only been reading for the last 11, 12 years, whatever you want to say. I am still, relatively speaking to other long ass time uh, fans of the industry. Maybe I'm just new to the feeling of holy shit, the reboots. But uh and this is something longtime fans have been experiencing for a long time, but it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm done with it. Let's make a decision and let's stay the course once and for all, because I am so sick of the will they, won't they with, with a definitive continuity. Stay the course. Gotta do it. Stay the course. <laughs> Thousand points a lot. Gotta do it. Uh, what a mess. DC's kind of, I mean, it, it, it is, it is kind of laughable on some, on some level. I, I think for most, I think continuity ultimately, I would like to think matters to most people. If you're just reading a single story, like, let's use our, the classic examples we like to throw out a lot, the, the annuals. That, the annual almost, almost, traditionally, has had nothing to do with the main story going on at any given time in the book. Uh, in its respective book, and so it's you can enjoy a you can enjoy something that you don't necessarily know where it fits in with continuity because it doesn't you know it, you know it fits in somewhere but it's not 
but it can be confusing too, depending on when it comes out, because it makes you scratch your head. If some, if you're you're having this life or death, you know, struggle, and you're dealing with Volthoom, and all of a sudden, you know, these these char- all these characters that some of which are in, in the main book are either dead or on are in crisis, and they're all hanging out and having fun. It's like, okay, what's going on? I think most continuity matters at the end of the day, especially the important things. I think you need to know which. As we always went back to, oh yeah, Coast City was destroyed. Oh yeah, well no, Coast City wasn't destroyed. It's like okay, but you're talking about saying that it was destroyed. <laughs> it's like make up your mind, make up your mind if Coast City was destroyed. <laughs> um, the ultimate typo there. That yeah, I just make a decision, make a decision, and if you're going to use Doomsday Clock as a catalyst to heal some of these problems and, and and streamline things and but come up with a game, damn game plan and that's what they didn't have with the new 52 and we know they didn't have it from the get-go they never had even decided on whether the major events had ever taken place i don't think they'd ever even decided whether all all the other crises including zero hour and things like that had all taken place in this timeline whether you know you know, zero, you know all all the stuff really you know like you know, Hal became because we because we were told right. Hal became Parallax, but Coast City wasn't destroyed. What? The, how does that make any sense? That's why he became Parallax. If Coast City wasn't destroyed, Hal didn't have much of a he didn't have any real reason to, to you know to, again to be at the the Joker point of having nothing left to lose. So, yeah, I agree. They need to just get their heads out of the you know what and just streamline it and ex, and just. And stop, stop doing the reboots. Just like with the movies, stop doing reboots of the same damn movie every four years. When the last time you tried it, it fails. Well, spend a little more time. Either do it right or stop rebooting it and just go with what you got. <laughs> One of the two. Oh. And that's and so. It, I'm intrigued to see what how it's going to tie into Doomsday Clock, but. I, I'll just I'll just be glad when Doomsday Clock is over. Though Doomsday Clock has absolutely gotten better, absolutely gotten better. But it's just the fact that it's taken way too long to get us close to the finish line. So mm-hmm. now it's like, all right. Uh, I'm going to talk just briefly about Pops so that we don't end on it because when I when we end on Pops, it's like we end in a whimper, and I don't want to I don't want to end that way. So. I just want to talk just briefly about Pops because this was a major Comic-Con. Um, there, just for those of you who are unaware, there are typically three big Comic-Cons specifically when it comes to Pops. You have your Spring, which is usually Emerald City Comic-Con. You have your Summer, which is obviously San Diego. And you have your Fall, which is going to be your uh, New York Comic-Con. This is typical. Uh, and this is usually when Funko introduces a bunch of exclusives uh, that are shared with other stores. This year, there was a shit ton of them, just like always. Uh, and but to limit my collection because I've just been trying to to be very specific about what I get. Uh, limit. Only I'll limit. I'm sure. oh. <laughs> hey, I, I I'm sticking to the limitations I did I did state. It's just one of those limitations is all venom, <laughs> uh, which is which is uh, turned out to be a bad idea. Uh, but uh, I've got too many now to stop. Uh, anyways, uh, there were three specific ones um, uh, because a couple of my categories are comic accurate. Uh, so basically, I want comic accurate DC and comic accurate Marvel. Um, one of them was Huntress. 
which was a shared exclusive with Hot Topic. Um, and uh, I, I picked that up. This is uh, pop number 285. And then I also got uh, the uh, comic accurate Nick Fury, which is part of the uh, Marvel 80 years anniversary line, uh, which was a shared exclusive with GameStop slash ThinkGeek. Um, and this one is pop number 528. I just thought it was interesting that 285 and 528, both 528s uh, pop numbers. Um, so, and then I ordered one online because uh, the other one I also uh, one of the one of the lines I collect. I'm a huge fan. Uh, you probably, if you haven't seen the show, you probably at least know that it does have a sort of almost cultish following. The TV show Community. I really love Community. I have the entire series on Blu-ray. I bought that when it came out. I got all the Community pops: Jeff Winger, Annie Edison, Shirley Bennett, Ben Chang, Troy Barnes, Abed and Deer. Uh, and those were the six that came out from the original wave. But for some reason, they decided to do an exclusive Britta Perry that was only available in the Funko Shop online. So my morning sort of went like this. I woke up Friday. Think Geek decided to open at 7 a.m. I went down to the mall. I was outside maybe 30 minutes, so about 6.30. Uh, I was waiting outside of Think Geek and went in just to pick up Nick Fury. That's it. Uh, there was a bunch of other pops there. Uh, obviously, there are multiple shared exclusives for each store, not just one. Um, but I got my Nick Fury uh, and uh, I walked out with him and then went to go wait in line outside of Hot Topic in the same mall. Hot Topic didn't open till nine. <laughs> so uh, uh, one of the people who, who was the manager at that Think Inc. was a huge part of the uh, Austin, Funko Pop Hunters of Austin group. Um, and, uh, she's, a, she's a big member over there. So, so it was her last day and we got a big group photo. So I was there for maybe 30 minutes, but I was basically in line outside of hot topic a full hour and a half before they opened, uh, just to get Huntress. Uh, one of my coworkers asked me to pick up, uh, the, uh, Treehouse of horror, Simpsons Treehouse of horror, um, groundskeeper, Willie evil groundskeeper, Willie for him while I was at hot topic too. But the trick here was hot topic opened at nine. The Funko Shop Online goes live at 10 Eastern, 9 my time. So the minute the doors open at Hot Topic, I'm standing in line on my phone, refreshing and refreshing and refreshing to try and get Britta Perry in my inbox checkout while also grabbing a good conditioned box of Huntress and, and Groundskeeper Willie and trying to check out manually there while I'm also trying to check out digitally online. And that was a nightmare. Uh, but I did end up getting all the pops. I got my Nick Fury. I got my Huntress. I got my co-workers, uh, Evil uh, Groundskeeper Willie. And Britta Perry, surprisingly enough, it's already been shipped, and it's supposed to be here Friday. Uh, as we record this, it's Tuesday. But as you guys hear this, it'll already have been, uh, been delivered to my apartment, uh, which is crazy because during San Diego, it took several weeks for me to get that Batman with the SDCC bag uh, delivered to me after I had ordered it online. So that was that was uh, pretty nuts. But that was that was my New York Comic Con haul. Um, Mark, I know that you were looking at some of those exclusives, but did you end up deciding to get any of those? I did order the Masande pop just because I figured if nothing else, she'll look good next to Daenerys. And that's the Target exclusive, right? No, that was the Barnes and Noble. Oh yes, that's that right. The, Bar- yeah, that was the Comic Con Barnes and Noble shared exclusive. Uh, but they but they actually had but they. Because how shared these exclusives are, are uh, HBO, the HBO shop had it. The HBO shop had it available to order, while Barnes & Noble, the website, didn't have it available. 
so I got it off the I got it off the uh, HBO web, website. I think it's supposed. I don't think it's supposed to ship to the end of the month, but that's the only one. That's the main one I was looking at. So yeah, I I, I love I like the character, and obviously I love Natalie Emanuel. So, but the sculpt. But the, the actual sculpt itself was so-so, even with the awesome hair. It still was it still was not an easy sell for me, but I figured, yeah, she'll look she'll look good next to Daenerys. So at the very least, I I figured uh, I figured I uh, I I owed the both of them that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to mention is a lot of announcements about pops came out now. Weirdly enough, these announcements didn't come as a result of New York Comic Con, but came. Like right after, because this is Tuesday and a lot of this, as Mark and I record this, and a lot of this just came out in the past 24 hours. So, uh, but didn't come out actually during New York Comic Con. But there's a, there was a ton of new pops announced. Uh, not obviously all of these I'm going to get, but there were, uh, for those of you just interested in the pops out there or interested in specific properties, there's going to be a new Mortal Kombat line that's going to have Scorpion, Sub Zero, Liu Kang, and a new Raiden. Um, there is going to be, um, a bunch of new hero academia and, um, Dragon Ball Z related stuff, which I'm not familiar with any of those characters. Um, so I couldn't possibly tell you there's going to be a, uh, Smokey the bear, uh, ad icon. There's going to be, uh, more icons, uh, an Edgar Allan Poe with a skull, Farrah Fawcett, Guy Fieri, Marilyn Monroe. Uh, those are going to be coming out. There's going to be a John Wick with a puppy. Uh, one, yeah, I know, right? Um, there's gonna be, I mean, there's just, there's just so many things coming out. They've, uh, Funko announced, uh, a, a, that there's gonna be more, like five more Pokemon pops next year. There's gonna be Happy Gilmore pops. You're gonna have an auto, a Chubbs with Chase, a Happy Gilmore, and then a two pack of Happy Gilmore and Bob Barker. Um, <laughs> uh, there's just, uh, speaking of, uh, of Adam Sandler, there's going to be Billy Madison pops, Billy Madison and Bath, Billy Madison, Danny McGrath, Penguin with Cocktail. There's going to be McDonald's pops, the two pack of the Fry Guys, Grimace, Hamburger, Mayor McCheese, Officer Big Mac, and Ronald McDonald. Um, there's going to be a ton of uh, of new <laughs> of new Venom pops. Uh, coming out, uh, which I'll get to in a minute, but they're doing also some Bad Boys pops. Cloverfield, the monster. Uh, they're going to be doing uh, Motorhead and A Quiet Place pops. Uh, there's going to be a new Gambit pop. So, you know, I've got to get that um, because Gambit is one of my favorites. Um, there's just so many. And I'm telling you guys, all of the stuff that I'm reading off right now is within the last 24, 36 hours um, of, uh, that, that this has all come out. So I don't know what's going on. They did uh, some more Venom Pops. You're going to have a Venom Punisher, a Venom Ultron. You're going to have a Venom Captain America, Venom Group, Venom Hulk, and Venom Iron Man re-released as keychains. You're going to have a 12-pack of Mystery Minis as a... As uh, uh, as the Venom stuff, there's going to be a Max Venom line, which is going to contain Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange and another Groot. Then there's going to be a 10-inch Max Venom Groot, and then a Max Venom Miles Morales, which is is nuts. Uh, I'm obviously not getting the keychains because I'm not collecting the keychains. I'm 
I'm tempted by the, the mystery minis, but because there's 12 of them and they're mystery, I'd spend way too much money getting them. I'm going to try my very hardest to convince myself not to get those. But I'm already sold on five. So Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, regular Miles Morales, uh, oh, f- four, technically, the, the, the new Groot, and then um, Punisher and Ultron. This one came as an utter shock to me. Funko's going to do another uh, edition of their pop TV, this time the TV show Dinosaurs. <laughs> so you're going to get Robbie Sinclair, Fran Sinclair, Earl Sinclair, Charlene Sinclair, and, gotta love me, the baby. Not the mama. <laughs> so uh, I, I thought that was crazy. I, I'm really in, curious about – I'm not going to get them because that, as much as I loved dinosaurs as a kid, it wasn't like something I was ravenous about. Uh, I, I did like the show, but I, I'm not like a massive fan of it or anything. I'm curious how those pops are going to look in real life. But that is an ass ton of pop announcements and news to come out in the past 24, 36 hours. And it was so weird that none of it was a part of New York Comic Con, but just their own announcements. Well, sometimes they just want to they just want to up the ante on their own and don't get swallowed up by anything else that's coming out. I guess that makes sense to try to get your own have your own moment to shine. I suppose. Yeah, there's uh, there's also going to be Good Place pops. The TV show, The Good Place. Um, I'm not getting any, uh, I'm not going to get the whole wave. I'm just going to get the Kristen Bell character pop because, you know, you know how much I like Kristen Bell. Uh, so, and this, I think there was, I think she, did she play, oh shit, did Kristen Bell play a character in Gossip Girl? Uh, Gossip Girl, Kristen Bell. Yeah, there was a Kristen Bell. Uh, yeah, uh, the the character there there was a pop for um, Gossip Girl of uh, Kristen Bell, but it, does, it looked nothing like her. But um, the the character that Kristen Bell plays in The Good Place looks basically exactly like her. So it's as close to a Kristen Bell pop as I'm gonna get. So obviously I'm gonna get that. I'll just I'll just I don't know. I'll put it in a shadow box or something alongside of that that letter and and everything that Kristen Bell gave me. So. But, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, that was just a shit ton of stuff. I mean, cause I'm a part of that, that, uh, the Austin Funko Pop Hunters group on Facebook and I just opened it up to check for, okay, well, what came out today? And I was just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling going, holy shit, what is going on? But yeah. There's, yeah. there's a there's a lot of pops and there's going to continue to be. And that's just, this is the name of the game, man. It's the end really? thing. Eventually it will, like everything else, it will peter out, but we have not come. We haven't quite gotten to that point yet. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, did you, what, what else did we want to talk? I've got a couple of like odds and ends, but that's, let's, but, but, well, let's talk about the, the GameStop thing that oh yeah yeah that uh apparently which is kind of like slipped under the radar screen for the most part that gamestop has an exclusive gre- well it's it's there it's there so it's i guess it's i guess saying it's exclusive might be accurate it's not but it's not like it's it's not like it's a con exclusive it's just something that they're selling and you said think and they and think geek pretty much sell you know are, are kind of linked uh 
So online, you can go to GameStop.com, and they have a Green Lantern core ring set, which pretty pretty much consists of all your Blackest Night rings. Uh, it's a cute. I mean, it's a they're metal rings, so it's a cute. It's a cute little display with all with all the rings, including death and life, but the green with willpower in the middle. They kind of mention all the the emotion or lack thereof that each each ring is supposed to have. Doesn't look like a ba- doesn't not look like a bad representation of of, of the rings. It's not. Uh, I've uh, I've seen this at Think Geek uh, in person over the past two or three weeks. Uh, I've had a chance to take some of these rings out of the package and 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 kind of you know look at them. They are open band, um, so that they should be able to fit almost anybody. But the problem is they are metal. So it's not like they're as easily flexible to get around your finger, despite the fact that they're open band. Um, what was interesting, like I said, I mentioned that the the former manager of that that local Think Geek uh, was as a big part of that Funko group. The last time I saw her, she was telling me that they've actually been selling extremely well for them, not just with like comic book and Green Lantern fans, but like people just geeks in general will come in and purchase them like for their office or for their partners at in the business or whatever. Uh, almost and basically what they do is is it's you know kind of like the idea of you know like um I don't know like you, you you're a groom and you're handing out things to the to your groomsmen. It's you're you're in the business and you're handing out things to your partners and it, this is like you know I'm gonna give this to the guy in the office that uh, that and we're all gonna be linked because we all have similar rings. It's an office thing, but it, just that sort of idea. Um, so it's evidently it's 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 selling pretty well for them uh, for people who are just geeks having fun. Um, it, it they do look very quality. I personally don't like them. I couldn't tell you why, um, but I just they, they don't appeal to me. Um, but they are quality. They are metal. They are open band. They come in a really cool case, uh, and it's a decent price. So yeah, twenty nine ninety nine is not a bad deal for for all those rings. And the reality is, while they probably, if you're planning on buying these, you know, I think the logical recommendation would be don't wear these. <laughs> Just keep them as a display item. Uh, but for you know for for thirty bucks, and you're getting what eight rings. Mm-hmm. Right, eight rings. No, nine rings. Nine rings. Because uh, you have this, you have the seven for the emotional spectrum, and then you have blood, you have life and death. Uh, that the reality is that that's a no matter how you slice it, that's a really good deal. So I haven't ordered it yet. I I may very well order it. To, to, um, Part of the reason I, I, I think you'd like it. I, I, I think you'd be upset with personally having seen this in person and handled it. I think you'd be upset given the rings you already have. I think you'd be upset with yourself if you didn't mark. It's kind of hard not to get it because it is a complete set. I mean, it, it, m- many, many of the other rings that have been out there and that we've got, you know, different pe- bits and pieces we've gotten are all kind of sold individually. And then if you collect them, then you'll have a set, but there aren't that many. It's, it's, it was like when they first sold the, uh, they first sold the light up rings. Hmm. Uh, they, that all originally came in, it came in a box, in a box set. Uh, so it, it's very, it's similar. And so I'm probably going to do it. Part of the reason why I'm holding off is even though as we speak, it's still not up tonight, but our friend, our friend, at Underworld and Beyond, uh, his Etsy store is supposed to soon 
have a, a whole new wave of the resin rings. They're supposed to be their new design, uh, m including, which they didn't have before, wearable ver a wearable version in resin of the Universal. Because before he just had the one size, didn't fit anything. I think it was like a 17. It was a display ring. Universal, there's going to be a, fan, a Phantom Ring version that's going to be wearable and resin, and it's going to, and there's also going to be a violet, ultraviolet, along with the, all these standard and gold, and the, and the upcoming gold lantern from the Legion of Superheroes. So those rings are going to be, in, so there's going to be like a new resin. I think more, more. I think it's going to be. I think they're all going to be mostly or relatively translucent. The ultraviolet one is obviously going to be super uh, translucent. But all the, but that whole new wave of, of rings are supposed to be available. So assuming they are available by the time this comes out on Friday, then I'll probably just include the link in the uh, in the you know the website page. But it it will be worth checking out because because you know. Burke's rings are always cool, so it'd be worth checking out. And I know Chad is Chad's always been chomping at the bit, waiting, trying to be motivated to get something irrelevant. So this this might potentially be the last new wave of resin rings he does, since he seems to be transitioning over to metal. So I'm I'm interested in what they're going to look like. Based on the mock-ups that I've seen, a lot of them look cool. Ironically, the two rings I always gravitate towards, white and blue. At least the initial one, the initial pictures that he showed, didn't it didn't really to me it didn't do justice to the new design. I didn't didn't it didn't inspire me to want to get those, though I'm naturally inclined to. So I want to see what the finished product is and the other pictures that he puts up of those. But clearly I'm interested in ultraviolet since I don't have an ultraviolet ring. Uh, the gold lantern ring would be interesting too for that reason that I don't have it. Uh, Phantom ring it doesn't because of. The way he he's doing the Phantom Ring, it doesn't really look like you know it's not kind of like squared off like 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 Frank's ring and I and I do have the metal version of that I have a, I have a I think a sterling silver version that he did of the of the Phantom Ring, but the ultraviolet one's obviously going to call to me since I don't have it and but looking at some of the but even things that I've already had like the, the orange looks great I would I would say arguably the orange because I think he's gonna he's gonna be going to be colored so this so it's going to be white you know besides the orange symbol on the on the face of the all orange ring i think it's going to be i think it's going to be white uh on the on the face along with the orange symbol that the orange looked really nice in this design and actually i thought the yellow looked really nice in this design too so i'll have to see i have to see the price point on these i think they're supposed to be like around 65 rumor has it i like i think that's what that's what the idea was and I'm not sure if there's going to be a like a special price if you order them as a set, all of them, which I don't think I probably will. But we'll have to see. Uh, the red looked nice too, because the red had a white background too. But I have enough red, I, you know, and I did get a red from him, not that not that long ago. Just like the orange. So there are <sighs> some rings that's calling me because I don't have many like indigo. I really don't have many. I really don't have a really 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 good indigo ring that I like. Closest thing was the aerobic silver one that did the you know in the class style that had the oath, which is kind of cool having the you know indigo tribe oath on the ring since it's knock knock this and knock and and for more or sore that. <laughs> but 
those things crawl to me because I don't have because I either don't have many of them or in certain cases like I don't have any. I probably won't get the Universal ring looked really nice. What he did looked very nice, so it's tempting. Even though I have I have a version, I just don't have a wearable, so I guess I could justify it. But we'll see. But I'm I'm kind of excited to see what these what these rings could look like. So that's making me hold off a little bit on getting this set, only because even though again price wise it's now comparison. And for you, from a collector perspective, if you're just a if you're just a ring hole like I am, you might as well just get it because you can't have enough rings, right? So yeah, um, I, I I I'm pretty sure it was him, but I think it was Metal when he did the the Alan Scott ring. Um, and then the, uh, I don't, I don't know if he ever did do this, but because he's, he's, he's had so many and put them up and taken them down so many different times. It's, it's hard to remember who, if it was him or like bat Jeepster or something. But, um, when he did, or somebody did the guy Gardner red lantern ring, I think, which, which is just the band, the original, but the yeah, symbol, the original, the original ring. Yeah, the symbol sitting on top of the band offset, so that it's just the it's shaped like the symbol and everything. I, if I were to, I'm pretty sure that those are the two rings I would decide to pull pull on uh, pull the trigger on, which is an Alan Scott ring, a very specific one, uh, and then the, uh, the 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 Guy Gardner Red Lantern ring. Um, hit Underworld uh, and Beyond's rings look fantastic. And there are certain ones that I'm like, oh, yeah, closer. That's almost there. But I'm I'm not as as big under the rings as you are. So there, for me, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you what my qualifications are, but there are very there's something in my mind I'm looking for, and it's more of a I'll know it when I see it. So, <clears throat> but yeah, all right. Um. One thing for Marvel I wanted to mention that it was announced that in January Donny Cates will be working on the uh, Thor title, uh, and he will be doing it with Nick Klein as his artist. The cover was shown, and the cover is art by Olivier Coipel, who did the art for the JMS run of Thor, which I am so very 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 obsessed with so the fact that i I was already in because it's donny cates and donny cates has been doing all the venom stuff lately and i've been enjoying the crap out of that i think he's a fantastic writer and then you're going to put him on thor and then you're going to tease me even further even though it's only the cover art and it's not the that olivier coipel is going to be doing the interiors but you're going to give me an olivier coipel cover of this thor run and donny cates is writing it I am in. Um, so the prince is now a king. All Asgard lies before Thor, the god of thunder. And after many months of war, the ten realms are finally at peace. But the skies above the realm eternal are never clear for long. The black winter is coming, and the god of storm will be power. Uh, the god of the storm will be powerless before it. Uh, Donnie says, in all my wildest dreams, I could have never imagined a world in which I was worthy of writing Thor. From Stan Lee and Jack Kirby all the way to the legendary run I am so foolishly following by the great Jason Aaron, it is beyond an honor to enter the golden halls of Asgard and to pave the path far beyond the fields we know for the Thunder God himself. Know that you will have my best, true believers. 
for all of you for Asgard forever. And artist Nick Klein says, I'm incredibly excited and honored to be working on this with Donnie. Thor is one of my favorite comic book characters, so I really tried to up my game to do him in all of Asgard justice. The direction we're taking this is hopefully going to be as exciting for readers as it is for me to draw. Stay tuned, true believers. And, uh, yeah, I haven't been reading Thor regularly for a long time. I did recently pick up um, – or catch up on the Jason Aaron run uh, with uh, Jane Foster as Thor and all that, just because I was curious about that and, and everything. I wanted to see what that looked like and see how that read. Um, this is before they announced the uh, Love and Thunder movie. Um, um, but, you know, <laughs> the benefit was there to catch up on it uh, after the facts. But uh, that was good stuff. But after reading it, I realized that wasn't a in its entirety. I realized that was a book that at points I was probably likely to to get frustrated with and just allow to pile up if I were to get it regularly. This will be the truly the first book since J first Thor book first uh, since JMS's run on the title that I'll be picking up regularly. Assuming this first title is as awesome as I think it's going to be. What do you think of that cover and then the uh, interior uh, design, especially that that costume? Uh, looks a little Lord of the Rings ish to me. Hmm. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of that basic costume design for Thor. Uh, let's take a look. Uh, he's got two arms, right? Hmm, yep. That's always a plus. I don't know. It's I like kind of like on some levels it kind of looks like it kind of is reminding you more of like old school Thor on some levels. So I think that's that's kind of a that's kind of a plus to a lot of the things they've been doing lately. But it's it I mean it's it's not it's it's intriguing. It's it's not like to me that's not how I that's not classic Thor to me. So that's that's in my mind's eye. It, you got to be somewhere in the wheelhouse of classic Thor for it to work for me. But it's not. It's it's kind of splitting the difference. So I think it's. I could see how it definitely could have an appeal. I'm definitely here for it. Um, I also wanted to mention. This is an article from Deadline, and the headline is "The Next Walking Dead: A Walled Off USA Crumbles in Undiscovered Country." Only wanted to mention this because Undiscovered Country, I think, is coming out this week. Um, I'm not going to read the entire article, but it does say exclusive. It is rare to see a Hollywood bidding war for a comic book series that hasn't been published yet. So there was considerable pent up curiosity at New York Comic Con over the weekend regarding Undiscovered Country, the image comic sci-fi saga that doesn't launch until November 6th. Okay, there we go. I thought it was coming out uh, this week for some reason, um, but already qualifies as a Hollywood hot property. New Republic Pictures won acquisition uh, won the acquisition auction with a seven-figure deal with an eye toward a feature film franchise that would evoke post-apocalyptic epics such as The Walking Dead and Mad Max. That franchiser would be rooted in the same intriguing and possibly timely premise as the Image series, 30 years after the United States walled off walls off its borders and severs international relations. 
The fate of the once great republic is a mystery that changes when a deadly pandemic threatens the globe. A team dispatched to find the cure at any cost follows a trail that leads them past the fortified California coastline and into the dangerous landscape that was once known as the home of the brave. I just wanted to bring that up because we have talked about uh, Undiscovered Country and what that's about, and and, um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, And evidently, it is not even out yet for essentially another month, uh, and it has already been purchased and picked up to be developed into a property in live action. I think in the current climate that we live in, I don't think that's that surprising. I think that it, I mean, it's, it seems like, a, generally speaking, it seems like a high concept, uh, idea anyway. So that's, so I think, I think that's, that's another part of it. It's, it, it could, it could make for, see, so it almost seems like it'd be more, better for a series than a movie. Hmm. You know, but then again, maybe they're not going to just make one movie out of it. So, so it would be it, it would be a series of movies. If it was a standalone, it wouldn't seem like it seemed like there's a lot of story to have to tell. Even without reading the comic yet, it would be kind of hard to tell that do justice to it in just in one movie. So, the, this will be an it will be an ongoing comic series. Right. So, who knows what the uh, what, what the potential is there. Okay. Uh, anything else you wanted to talk about before we uh, let you rant after this video we you haven't watched yet? <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think what else we have open here. Uh, I mentioned I mentioned before. I mentioned before, so I probably should follow up on it. The idea that the contrast with the Joker compared to Bat uh, Batwoman on on but uh, CW there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that Batwoman right now currently. Currently sits at seventy-two percent critics and a whopping eight percent from the audience. <laughs> I have yet to see it. Uh, I do have the CW app on my Apple TV, which, uh, if you guys, uh, d- I think it's called CW Seed. Actually, I'm not entirely sure what the title of it is, uh, but you can stream recently uh, aired episodes of TV shows. So I know it's on there. I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Yeah, at some point I'll give it a shot. And and watch it. Uh, it's not surprising. It just seems like it's uh, there hasn't been a lot that we've seen from the show that makes it look great. It looks like it's going to be heavy-handed, and, and a lot of people have issues with Ruby Rose. No matter how attractive she is, a lot of people have issues with from an acting perspective whether you know she can carry you know whether she can carry a show. Uh, so we'll see. Well, well yeah. I'll, I'll I'll watch it. So to give it a, at least give it a shot and try to go in with an open mind, since I'm not I don't have a dog in the fight one way or the other. But but it just was it was just I just noticed that earlier today that it was just kind of funny how that's just down eight percent eight percent even even if you want to believe it's rigged, still eight percent is pretty damn sad <laughs> compared to the compared to the critics. For sure. Uh, I'll be sure to remind people once I've had a chance to watch it, probably by next episode, but uh, what my thoughts are on it. So. And it's, I guess, yeah, I guess we're down to this to this great video. 
All right. So this is a video over on uh, the YouTube channel for Movie Clips Trailers. The title of the video is called Free Guy, Meet the Cast 2020 Movie Clips Trailers. It's a two-minute and uh, three-second video. Uh, and we are going to go ahead and hit play right now. Yeah, this this genre is super exciting to me. Like an absolute dream, really. I love working with Sean, obviously. Uh, I've worked with him on Stranger Things, and he's just amazing. I'm really mostly here for Taika. I've been a huge fan of his for a long time, and it's... Super cool to finally meet him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ditto for me as well. Um, I've known about Ryan for a long time, and um, you know, I think we've kind of, we've always been trying to like meet up or connect or work together at some point, and to finally get that chance to actually be in the same thing together for the first time ever is actually cool. Didn't you guys do a movie together? Didn't you guys do a movie together? Yeah, I think. Who'd you guys talking about? I don't think so. Not from my memory. This is the first time we've met. Um, But that's the cool thing about the industry. It brings people together. We've been mutual admirers um, of each other for for a long time from afar. And now to finally have the chance to work together for the first time ever in both of our lives is... um, I'm super stoked about that. Be in the same room. Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah. Green Lantern? I don't think so. That maybe you're thinking of um, Jessica Tandy, Kathy Bates, fried, fried green tomatoes. Uh, I don't remember you guys. Seth Rogen, Green Hornet. That's it. Yeah. That's where you're getting confused. He's amazing in that. But neither of us is Seth Rogen. I don't, no, you, you did Green Lantern, right? It was definitely right? Green Lantern. Right? All right, that's enough. <laughs> Marcus had enough. <laughs> uh, it's it's cute. It's cute, but it has been well established on this program for a long time now <laughs> that I think the Ryan Reynolds and I and I know you can make a case always oh, being funny because he's following up on like what happened at the end of Deadpool two and supposedly Ryan Reynolds, you know. Then again, he wouldn't be alive if that was the case. That Ryan Reynolds never did Green Lantern, so blah 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 blah. The reality is, I know it's an you know some people still find it amusing. I think it's talk about you know, it's time to let it go, man. It's time. It's time. It's time to let go of the Green Lantern stuff. It's not again. It's not like it's not like you were Lawrence Lawrence Olivier in it, and the movie was a turd. But you were magnificent in it. It's not like, not like you elevated crappy material to to a, almost close to a, to a really high level, but you just couldn't do it. But you certainly tried. You know, you did everything you. It's not like you're Robert Downey Jr. elevating, let's say, Iron Man two or Iron Man three. <laughs> no. So I've ha- I've had you know it's it's. And plus, it's really—I mean—it's even stupider since we all know he wouldn't have met Blake Lively if he didn't do that movie. So, at the very least, he should acknowledge the fact that something really. Every time he rags on Green Lantern, it's like at the end of the day, you know, I'm glad I did it because blah 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 blah. You know, a wife and three kids later. I know it's—I know it's being nitpicky, but it's as far as I'm concerned, it's fucking old now. Let it go, man. Just let—just let it go. Let it go. I just think it's uh, go back to William Shatner. Get a life. (laughs) 
you got Deadpool, which is pretty much the only thing that he's ever done that's been successful. But yeah, yeah. Ben Wilder. That's my that, successful with a big S. <laughs> cult, cult stuff again, but. People didn't go to see Van Wilder because of Ryan Reynolds. That's the point, right? You can, Deadpool's about the only thing you can make a case that people went to go see it as much for the, what the property was, as as much as as much for the actor as the property because he seemed like such a perfect fit for the character. Almost, he's usually been a supporting character in, in most of the movies that he's done and things like that. So, I don't dislike Ryan Reynolds. I think it. I think him doing. Him playing the same role over and over again, basically him being himself, gets old after a while. I think that gets old with everybody after a while. If that's all you can do, is that's like a one-trick pony. Then whether you're, whether it's acting or you're just being yourself, or I think, I think it, I think it gets old. So that's just me, and and I think, I think yes, my my ability to just roll with him, his Ryan Reynolds isms. Is less now because he just constantly rags on Green Lantern, and it's just like, give me a break, <laughs> just give me, give me a break. I don't want to hear it anymore. All right, I think that's gonna do it. You want to tell people how they can reach us? No, because now I'm upset. No, it's like uh, lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. The voicemail is seven oh eight lantern. So let us know what you think. Use hashtag geocast to locate us on Facebook and Twitter. And we are on iTunes and Stitcher, so please leave us a, po- a positive review on whichever platform you listen to us on. All right, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Good night, everybody. Good night.